0: You are about to listen to a sermon from Common Ground Church in Rapid City, South Dakota. We hope to see you in person. For more information, visit commongroundcma.org. Well, good morning, Common Ground Church. i just going to move this up a little bit so I'm not leaning over on it like I was last week. Well, hey, my name is Evan. I am the lead pastor here at Common Ground Church. Uh, don't mind me as I turn around here. Just going to make some space. I'm the lead pastor here at Common Ground Church, and it's my pleasure to welcome you here today. Um, And if you're joining us here maybe for the first time or one of the few times, um, like I said last week, it's a good time to be new since I'm new. And since I'm kind of taking, I guess, last week into these next three weeks to kind of lay out our foundations as a church, to lay out kind of the main three destinations that we are seeking to head as a family. And so last week we talked about kind of our main purpose in life, and that's to become like Jesus. Today, we're talking about belonging to community, we're talking about what it means to be invested in a church family, and the importance of our relationships with one another, our, the importance of the church, and how that can strengthen our, our goal of becoming like Jesus. But before we go there, um, I'd like to pray. Just give this time up to God. So Jesus, um, we just thank you for being a God who, who doesn't think we ever pray too much, God. But we can continually turn to you uh, for help, for attention, and, and so God, I turn to you right now. I ask that you would soften our hearts and open our minds to receive this word that you have. God, we know that that you're calling us to community, you're calling us to belong, and, and we want to be a people who are able to make that happen for others, and we want to be a people who are welcomed in, and, and we just pray that you would continue to make that a reality in this church body. So Jesus, would you speak through your word today? I want sing in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so we're talking about this whole purpose of belonging in community and why that's important. And the first thing I think we have to address when we talk about belonging is that this is essential, that this is so critical to our faith. You see, here at Common Ground, We don't think that it's possible to follow Jesus on your own. We don't think it's possible to do solo discipleship or solo spirituality, but that the mandate of Jesus was to do so in community. The model of Jesus, as you look at his life in scriptures, was that he did it in community. He invited his followers to join together in this group, and then he instructed them also to follow in community. And so as we look At this goal of becoming like Jesus, this goal of also belonging to community has to follow. It has to be part of that, that in order to become like Jesus, to do the things he did, to spend time with him, it requires community. It requires these relationships. It requires us to do what he said when he said, you know, love others as I have loved you. It requires us to to accept and to understand the fact that whenever two or more of us are gathered, his presence is there with us that this community, this relationship with other Christians, is mandatory. And so as we at Common Grounder are seeking to be the church that, that God has called us to be, community is going to be a big part of that. Our love for one another is going to be critical. We believe that spiritual formation, and becoming like Jesus, requires community. And you see, human beings are wired for relationship with one another. Now, I don't think it takes... Too long to research the fact that being alone and isolated is bad for you spiritually emotionally physically like usually I try to defend my points and have a lot of backup but I feel like this is common knowledge right being alone and isolated is bad for you good okay so I don't plan on really defending that I was hoping we all understand that it's common knowledge that being alone has all these terrible effects and we are wired for community and you see if you looked Our culture, not just during COVID, but even prior, for the last 10 years, we've seen an increase in isolation and an increase in feelings of loneliness. And so our culture doesn't do community or relationships or this whole concept of belonging very well. And of course, right now, that season of loneliness and isolation has only been exacerbated and it's only gotten worse. And the problems facing people emotionally, spiritually, physically are only increasing and this need for community has only increased. Now, in some research done by the Barna Group, published in the book Faith for Exiles um, by Kittiman and Matlock, they were looking at religious trends around the world, and they were comparing some of the factors that would lead someone to either becoming what they would consider a resilient disciple or someone who's really thriving in their faith, and what would lead someone to become what they would call a prodigal or someone who essentially lost their faith. And as they looked at the different factors that contributed to what made people go in these two very different directions... And when you look at someone that they would call a resilient disciple, one of the clear things that these people had in their lives were meaningful relationships, was a sense of belonging in the church. When you look at this other group, the prodigals, the people who would lose their faith, one of the common trends was that even regardless of their church community, which oftentimes they didn't feel a sense of belonging, but even outside of church, there was a lack of meaningful relationships. And so in a season of disconnection, when we know all of the negative effects of isolation and disconnection, we as a church, we offer something that the world needs. And we have something, and we have a responsibility to build this community up because it's important. And one of the first ways we're going to do that is looking kind of at the heavenly vision for community by looking at God's design by looking at Jesus's heart for what that means. And we're going to start by looking at Jesus's posture and his heart for community in John chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John 17. Nick alluded to this earlier in the announcements, because John 17 is the high priestly prayer, as it's often referred. It is the longest prayer in the entire New Testament. And we're going to read the entire thing. So if you've had enough of prayer, I'm sorry. We're going to keep doing that. But even though it's the longest prayer in the entire New Testament, it's about three and a half minutes long. Um, so it's really not too long. But to set up this, as Nick mentioned, this is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is the last night of his life. He had just been teaching his disciples nonstop for the last little while. And now he's reflecting on his life, on his work, as he reaches almost the point of getting to the cross, as he reaches what he knows will be the end of his life, and he turns to God, turns to the Father, and he prays. So we're going to read this, starting in verse 1, John chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. So now pay attention as we get into this next section, as we see this work that Jesus says he was given to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me come, comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, that so that so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, of your, for your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know you that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and they will continue to make you known in order that the love that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself will be in them. Now, do you guys realize what the focus of Jesus' prayer was in that whole chapter? See, when Jesus summarized the work he did on earth, all of the things he did, he didn't start with all the great sermons he preached and all the huge crowds that he gathered. He didn't start with the miracles he performed, like, feeding thousands of people with a little bit of food, with allowing the cripple to walk. He didn't start with raising a man from the dead. When Jesus reflected on his life's work, the focus of that life's work was on his relationships with the disciples. The focus of his life's work was on people. It was on this small group of people that he had alongside of him. His whole life. And you see these scattered throughout, throughout that passage. All these different times, Jesus mentions the disciples and you see this intense love he has for them. I have revealed you to those whom you have given me out of the world. Glory has come through them. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name that you gave me. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm in the world so that they may have the full measure of joy. For them I sanctify that they may truly be sanctified. Jesus' focus was so much on these people, on this group of people, and he invested his life in them. These 12 guys, or I guess 11 guys, because he mentioned Judas in that prayer, the one that's doomed. But Jesus' efforts were on this group of people. Jesus' focus in his ministry was on them. And I know this kind of seems pretty counterintuitive, right? That The Son of God, the creator of the universe, could do anything he wants on earth and have great effect. And then he chose to focus his work on 12 ordinary dudes. On a bunch of people and his relationships with them. You see, in our culture, in the church especially, oftentimes the focus can just be on bigger and better and more polished services and just... On making our Sunday experience the best it can be and trust me I think that there's value in that and I don't think that we need to do away with the Sunday service and and do as horrible a job as we can and just make this place ugly like I totally get the value of working hard and having excellence on Sunday mornings but that just can't be the focus the focus of Jesus's life's work was on these people So as we are looking for what the focus of our church is, may it also be those people with whom we have close relationships with in our lives. May it be on creating this sense of belonging with one another in which the Holy Spirit can work. May that be our focus. Now, you know, I grew up in a big church where the Sunday service was a big deal and where the Sunday service was done very, very well. You know, it was around 5,000 people, and we were known for, you know, having the great music, having the great preaching, and having everything together on Sunday morning. And that was great. God clearly worked in my life and in so many people's lives in that setting. But where I grew most closely to Jesus, where I was able to grow and become like him wasn't in that big gathering of thousands of people where everything was just amazing and the emotions were flowing. Where I grew the most was in a small group of 12 guys, and we met from sixth grade until we graduated from high school. And then after high school and college, we all stood next to each other in each other's weddings, and and we continued to do life together. it was in that group that Jesus worked, I would say, more powerfully than in this big, perfect megachurch that seemed to have everything going. But it was in that small group. And just this last year, my wife and I had the privilege of, of being in a group where, where we weren't really, I mean, we were the leaders, but we weren't really in charge of, of doing any teaching or of doing any work, but it was a home group of a bunch of people our age where we were just invested in one another and invested in doing life together and following Jesus together. And over the last year, we developed some of the closest relationships that we've ever had. We were able to walk alongside people as they were dealing with disease, as they were dealing with deaths of loved ones, as they were dealing with these questions and these doubts that we wrestle with in our faith. And we just saw God work so well in that season when we were together in community with these people. And this... This reality that our focus should be on these groups of people, these relationships that we have, this sense of belonging, it was just made so clear to us through that group. That the focus of our discipleship should often be the relationships we have with those around us. You see, Jesus gave the world permission to judge Christians by one thing. And it wasn't, you know, how much money we give to charity wasn't how good our music is or our, great, our, our sermons are. It wasn't how nice our buildings are. It was how well we love one another. That was the one thing he said. The world can judge you based on this. He said in John thirteen thirty-five. by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's our focus. That's our goal to love one another. Now, we know our focus so often is elsewhere. Our focus is so often on these other things. And the psychologist and author Larry Crabb kind of offers an answer at why he thinks our focus is so often on these other places instead of on the relationships we have with other Christians. He says this. He says it's easier and more quickly fulfilling to get active in kingdom work than to get along with kingdom citizens. Stay active doing good things in the world, and you won't need to face the bad things going on in your family and in your own heart. You'll be too busy with kingdom work to worry about quality relationships. See, the reality is, relationships are hard. The reality is that building a sense of belonging in the church is difficult. That even though we know where our focus should be, and we know kind of the the heavenly vision and, and Christ's heart for community... It goes back to our conversation last week. Just knowing doesn't mean you'll do it. You know, the book of Proverbs says over and over, don't be a fool. It's not like, okay, immediately I'll just never be foolish again. Like, it's not that much of a help. Knowing is not as simple as doing because the reality is that these things are difficult. And so while we have this heavenly vision, while we have Christ's mind of discipleship and of, of relationships we also have to live in the earthly realities and in the imperfections that we have, the challenges and the obstacles that we will face in community. That relationships take practice, that relationships take work, that relationships can be hard. That they can be some of the highest highs in our life, but they can also lead to some of the lowest lows. And while the church is the most beautiful example of what God can do with community... I think so many of us know that the church isn't perfect either. So many of us have had experiences in churches where not all the relationships were good, where we didn't feel like we belonged, and and it wasn't perfect. And even Common Ground Church here is not perfect. We're not perfect at relating to one another. We don't have the perfect systems in place that allow for these relationships. We're not perfect either, and we live in this tension between Jesus's vision and Current reality. You still work and live in that tension. Now you see the new in the New Testament, um, most of the second half of the New Testament was all letters that were written to churches. Paul by Peter and by John, and they wrote a lot of letters to churches. And if you'll read these letters, you'll notice that almost all of them were written to churches that had problems. Churches that have problems relating to one another. And I guess maybe in like a weird way, that's a little encouraging to me to know that like if the churches that were just a few years post Jesus being on earth and that actually interacted with the disciples, if they could have problems relating to one another, it's a little freeing to me and encouraging to know that like, okay, we haven't figured it out yet, but that's okay. We can still work on it. We haven't figured it out yet. And it helps me to be able to live in that tension a little better. And to be able to pursue this Jesus-like community anyway, without that guilt and shame, and without the fear of potentially not doing it perfectly. But to know that, that we're still called to this. Where we can, in the words of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we can still live into this. We can warn those who are idle and disruptive, and encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Where we can make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. We're in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, chapter three, verse 13, where he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgives as the Lord forgave you. So we know when we're living in these imperfections and we're living in these times when we don't relate to one another very well, we can overlook offense. We can forgive. We can extend grace and mercy to one another. Now in that same book of Larry Krabs that I cited earlier, as he described kind of the problems with a lot of the ways we relate to one another in church, one of the things that he desired was this. He said, I want to be a part of a church that will greet me as I walk in the door and know that I'm a mess. Maybe a well-socialized mess, perhaps a devoutly religious mess, maybe a therapeutically rearranged mess, perhaps even an actively missional mess, but still a mess. I want to know that I'm seen and still wanted, that I can drop the pretense, shed the masks, which this was written in 2004 so put your mask back on. Okay, shed the masks and enjoy the soul-enlightening experience of looking bad in the presence of love. And may this church, may common ground be a place where we can look bad in the presence of love. Where we can be open and honest with these earthly imperfections that we have, where we can see that in one another but still extend grace, still extend love, still extend our hands and say, we're on this journey with you. We're not like Jesus yet, but we are all on this journey together. You see, when we're in deep relationships or, or intimate community, that's the time when we're going to see the imperfections in one another most clearly. You know, one of the most beautiful forms of human relationships is the covenant of marriage. And one of the things that I learned very quickly is that marriage has great sanctifying power in that when you get married... You'll start to notice your imperfections a little more. Um, and it's not that, you know, I wasn't a terrible person before we got married and then I got married and all of a sudden I had these problems. Like, yeah, I was always a terrible person. I never knew how to fold a towel. You know? It's not like I just forgot the day I got married. Um, but the thing with the relationship that I have with my wife and the thing with, with these character flaws and these issues coming up is that whenever they do, we're still there for one another, another to say, Mike, it's okay. I still love you. I'm still with you. I'm still ju- on a journey with you. And we'll work on these things. They don't have to be figured out just yet. And so when we notice these problems, it's not an opportunity to judge. It's not an opportunity to, to feel guilt and shame. It's an opportunity to come alongside one another and to work on it together. To learn how to get the laundry in the basket, not next to it. <laughs> But, in a serious note, to work on these character flaws together. And in much of the same way as we are in this intimate relationship as a church family, we're going to see these little annoying things in one another's characters. We're going to feel these imperfections as we rub shoulders together. And, and as iron sharpens iron, it produces a lot of sparks. And there are going to be these uncomfortable situations where we're forced or where we should extend grace and mercy where we should reach out a hand and say okay i see these problems in you and i'm not going to minimize them but i'm still here with you and i'm still here for you may we be a people who can support and journey together in all of our imperfections and one of the one of the beautiful things that i've noticed about this group of common ground is Often it's described as very eclectic or like a good mix of people. You've often described yourselves as strange and weird, which I'm not quite sure. I like you speaking that over yourselves, but I get what you're trying to say, right? Like this eclectic mix of like all different personalities, of all different people. That maybe if we didn't all go to church together, like we wouldn't really be in the same social circles and we might not be friends and that's the way the church is supposed to be. The body bringing together all the different corners and sections of humanity and gathering together around our love for Jesus and our goal to be like him. And so I love that we have this eclectic, weird mix, you know? And may we continue to live into that. May we continue to celebrate that. As you see the ways that the person sitting next to you is different than you, would you celebrate that? Would you recognize that that is a good thing, that, that that diversity in humanity is just our reflection of the God who created us and who we can never fully reflect, that all these little differences are so good. As we look at you know, what kind of church is common ground, like who belongs here, may we be a people who recognize everybody does. Anybody who belongs to Jesus belongs here. And who belongs to Jesus? Right. Everybody. Right? So may we continue to be this eclectic mix of people who see the differences, who see the faults, but, but who celebrate that and who enjoy that. Would we be a people who remind others of their place in this family, who remind others that they belong to God, Church, I think we know that our world doesn't do relationships very well, right? And that our nation is hurting in a lot of ways because of our inability to relate to one another. Because a lot of people don't feel like they belong and aren't treated like they belong. And we as a church have an opportunity to play that important role in the world. A place where where they can belong. A place where this heavenly aspiration for what relationships could be like is a little closer to reality than out there. Where empowered by the Holy Spirit, we can relate to one another better than we could on our own strength. Now I know that this topic of being in close intimate relationships and this topic of of being together and united it's so exciting, but then we realize There are other obstacles that that are involved with our earthly reality. And one of them being that right now we're kind of required to be a little socially distant from one another. And we know that even if we were to figure this out, even if we were to figure out how to relate perfectly, we're all so emotionally healthy that we just get along so well with everyone and our relationships are great. even then, the earthly reality is that in some senses, it can still be dangerous there can still be obstacles in the way. That there are still imperfections in our community and still things that that just won't happen the way it should. And this is a hard topic to get into and to make practical because of COVID. That this close-knit community that we long for can also be dangerous for some. Can can mean that others simply can't belong physically with us in person. That there are some people who belong to this church family but who aren't able to join us. And that's a hard reality that we have to live into as well. That So many people I know who are watching on live stream want to be here but simply can't. We as a church must continue to understand that, to see that, but to still reach out to grieve the situation that we're in, that we're not able to be together, but we can still be creative in finding ways to reach out to one another, to make sure that people feel like they belong. And so we lament these things and these imperfections that, you know, on this side of Jesus' return, a community's never going to be perfect, right? We've got all these things. Even if we figure it all out, well, then, you know, a disease can pop up and it seems like we're back at square one. So we lament these things, and we live in this tension, released from the pressure to make it perfect, but but working to do our best. And in the meantime, we continue to be flexible. We continue to work towards unity in whatever ways that we can. We continue to cultivate this sense of belonging in creative ways. Maybe if we've noticed that there are people here who belong to this church family that, that we haven't seen in a while... We reach out to them, we call them, we reach out to them on Facebook. We do what we can to make sure that they know that they belong. And we continue to try to work to make things safer and to accommodate as many people as we can in here. As Nick mentioned, we're going to continue to make some changes and and to work to make things safer and to work to make people feel like they belong. We're going to continue to kind of work on the live stream so that the people who are at home having to watch on live stream, that they don't feel like they miss out on anything, that they don't feel like an afterthought that we know, we see them, we miss their absence, that they belong here. And we're going to continue to meet in smaller, safer-sized groups where, where true community can be built, where that fear of being in a tiny room with 90 people is mitigated and we will continue to work on ways to build community even in light of the obstacles. We'll continue to seek that heavenly vision that that Jesus-like aspiration for what community could be even in light of the challenges. So friends, we deeply need community. We know that. I didn't defend that well because I was assuming we're all on board and I'm glad we are. We deeply need community. We have this this heart of Christ that he's implanted on us to seek that and to work towards that. Have this understanding that life happens outside the four walls of the church, outside of the Sunday service, but every day as we walk alongside one another on the journey to becoming like Christ, may we be people who will continue to invest in that, who will continue to seek out the sense of belonging, who will continue to journey together towards becoming like Christ and community. I just can't help but be excited to think, you know, imagine what would happen if we really caught wind of that. Imagine what our church would be like if everybody here had that sense of belonging. Imagine what that would do to our gatherings, to our city, to our friends who maybe don't feel like they belong. And so would we be a people who would continue to work with this heart of Christ, this focus on people, this focus on those around us, may we be a people who continue to work to make others belong. So let's pray into that In Jesus, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you that we belong to you. That you see us where we're at. That you invite us in. That you love us. God, would you continue to teach us how we may do that with one another. Would you continue to teach us how to relate well? Would you continue to make us patient, forgiving? Would you continue to to bind us together in unity? God, as there are so many things that would pull us apart and, and would cause division in our body, God, would we continue to be able to find unity even amongst the disagreements, even amongst the differences? That we would be united and belong together because we belong to you. Jesus, we love you, and we just pray that you continue to build us together. That you continue to to tighten your body up into one unit. That we may serve you, and that we may be pleasing to you. So, Jesus, we love you. It's in your hand that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. Please join us again at Common Ground Church.